Well, today we are concluding our series called Text. We've been talking about the Bible, how to get more of the Bible into us, how to memorize and meditate. And today I'm going to tell you how to read the Bible and get as much insight as you possibly can. And then next week we're going to start a brand new series called The Hall of Faith. Now, this was strategic on my part. I wanted to get you back into the Word of God. And then after that, I wanted to get you into the Hall of Faith. Hebrews chapter 11, godly men and godly women uh, that God uses by faith to do some extraordinary things, and there's a possibility, isn't there, that by faith we could do extraordinary things for God as well? If you can learn these 11 different characters in Hebrews chapter 11, you will be able to navigate the Word of God, so don't miss a single week. But let's get in today to our little text. Up until the third grade, there was only one woman that I had ever loved with my life, and that was my mom. But everything changed in the third grade when I saw her. Her name was Ellie, and she was just the coolest girl. We could hang out together, have fun together. I asked her to go steady with me, and you know how these things go. You write a note down on a piece of paper and say, will you go steady with me? Circle yes or no. And then you don't go up to Ellie to give her the note because that would be too frightful. You give it to a friend who gives it to her friend who gives it to Ellie, and then she decides which one she wants, and then it comes right back through the chain. Well, obviously, she circled yes. And so I was going steady with this cute little girl, holding her hand every chance I ever get. We had so much fun. Well, the other day, I was going through some old boxes, and I found a shoebox full of notes that Ellie had written me all the way back back in the third grade. I want to share one with you right now. Hi, Todd. How are you doing? Haven't seen you in a while. How are you doing? Now, the reason she hadn't seen me was because she went to another school. If we went to the same school, she'd have seen me all the time. She said, I guess I'm fine. Why haven't you written me in a long time? Are you mad at me? I was not mad at Ellie. I'll tell you that right now. I hope not. Sorry if this is so sloppy. So how's school? We have a game today. I hope we win. But I don't know because we're not that hot. But she was. <laughs> well, do you have a game today? Just wondering. I better go now. Nice talking to you. Bye. <laughs> I love you. Did you see that last little three word right there? I love you. Now, I got I to gotta come clean with you because I don't want you to think I'm a weirdo, okay? Um, I did have a, a, a girl that I went steady with in third grade. Her name was Ellie, but I did not keep my third grade notes from her, all right? Because that would have been a little bit strange. But that's a cute little note right there, right? So that's what we did. We, we write notes. And when you have notes, you, you, you keep hold those notes. Remember the first time you got a love letter? I mean, you held on to that love letter. If the teacher thought that you had that love letter, what would they do? They, they would come over and try to take that love letter from you, but you wouldn't let that teacher take that love letter. You'd shove it down your shirt for that teacher to take that love letter. You'd put it in the back of your pocket. That's what you'd do. And when you got home, you would put that love letter down in, into the mattress so your parents wouldn't find it. And you'd just show it to a few of your exclusive friends, and you wouldn't show them the whole love letter. You'd just show them those last three words, I love you, I love you. 
Well, friends, listen to me. God's word, the Bible, that, that's God's love letter to you. And God's the one who's the vulnerable one because he's the one who comes right out and tells you that he loves you. We know that God so loved the world. God so loved you. God so loved me that he gave his only son that whosoever believes in him, clings to him, relies upon him, they shall not perish, but they shall have everlasting life. My goodness, line upon line, sentence after sentence, God shouts out his great love for us. We know that we are more than conquerors because of what the word of God has to say. We know that we can do all things through Christ who gives us strength. We know that nothing we're going to face today we're ever going to face alone. We know that he'll never leave us, that he will never forsake us because the word of God is the voice of God shouting to us that you matter, that you matter, that you count, that he loves you, that he wants to have a relationship with you. He wants to do life together with you. So please tell me as we've gotten through this series that somehow, some way, you've opened up the Bible so far. Because I can't, I can't imagine if you've gone through the whole four or five weeks of this thing and you still have that book on the shelf. I can't imagine you would still have it in the drawer. I would think that you would open that book up and you would read that book and study that book and memorize that book and mark up that book and meditate upon that book. Look what the Bible says about itself in Psalm chapter 1, verse 1. It says, blessed is the man who doesn't walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers, but his delight, his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. Blessed is the man who doesn't walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers. What in the world is that talking about? Blessed is the person who understands that there are certain things that you can have in your life that don't nourish your soul. Blessed is the person who's be able to understand and discern the things in life that help them grow in their relationship with Christ and they stay away from the things that aren't going to help them in their relationship with Jesus Christ. Friends, what are the things that you have in your life right now that aren't nurturing your soul? What are the things in your life that are leaving you empty, that are leaving you confused, that are leaving you guilt-ridden? You say, I, well, so what would that list be, Todd? Well, it's different for every single one of us. Because every one of us has different kinds of influences that can come in our life and literally suck the life out of our soul. You see, for some of us, it's the bar that's getting you. You keep going to the bar and going to the bar and going to the bar. And I know why you go to the bar. You go to the bar so you can dance, right? You got a two-step from time to time. Everybody needs a two-step from time to time. But every time you go to that bar, you see things you shouldn't see. You encounter things that you shouldn't encounter. You do things that you later on regret. It's not nourishing your soul, is it? How about this one? Maybe, maybe this one hits you. The TV. Most of you are, are, are streaming now, right? You're not watching network TV that often unless Sagebrush is on. <laughs> but you, you, you sit in front of this thing for three, four, five hours, some of us. And, and you binge watch. That's what's hilarious. We binge watch. We pick a series. And we say, I'm going to watch the whole thing in three days. That's what I'm going to do. It's nine seasons, but I'm going for it right now. That's what I'm doing, okay? Bring me a depend, okay? Let's go. <laughs> right? Most of the stuff we watch on TV doesn't nourish our soul. Most of the stuff we watch on TV doesn't draw us to a relationship with Christ or it draws closer to Jesus. Let me give you another one. This one hits me. It's your stinking phone. 
How many hours a day do you spend on your phone? If you have an iPhone, you, you can check that out. You can do screen time. It'll tell you exactly how long you've been on your phone. I didn't want to know. I turned that feature off. You understand? I didn't want to know about that. It's too long. I know that. When I don't have my phone, I begin to shake a little bit. Like, where's the phone? Where's the phone? All those ticky-talkies that you watch and the snappy-chatties that you do. Right? All that little stuff that you get online for and all the little games that you play and the Internet and all the stuff that your phone brings to you. Is it nourishing your soul? Is it drawing you to a closer relationship with Jesus? Are you using modern technology to actually do damage to your soul, to hurt yourself? Blessed is the man who does not walk in the way of the ungodly, who stays away from the things that are going to mess them up. Let me give you one more. Friendships. Some of us have toxic relationships in your life right now, and they're just jacking you up. And those people aren't helping you. They're not encouraging you. They're not building you up in the kingdom of God, the things of God. And they have more influence over you than the word of God has influence over you. And it's just messing up your soul. It's not nourishing your soul. It says, blessed is the man who does not walk in the way of the wicked, right? He, he looks at his life. He evaluates his life. says, what are the things that bring value to my soul? He says, I will not sit in the seat of mockers, but I will delight in the word of God. That word delight means to take pleasure, to get joy in the word of God. And then it says this, I will meditate upon the word of God day and night. I looked up that phrase in the Hebrew, day and night, to find out what it literally means. And I found out that it means day and night. <laughs> Who would have thunk that, huh? Parents, you're supposed to talk about the word of God when you get up and when you lie down and everything in between when you lock along the road. You've got to invest this stuff in your kids, but if you're not investing yourself, you cannot give. Listen to me. You cannot give what you do not have. You cannot pass on that which you do not have to pass on. He says, I delight in the word of God. I meditate on the word of God both day and night. And look at, look at the, the result of this, verse 3. He says, uh, it's that person who meditates on the word of God will be like a tree planted by streams of water which yield its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does, he prospers. Do you see the analogy? Blessed is the man who firmly plants himself in the word of God. Blessed is the woman who firmly plants themselves in the word of God. They will be like a tree. A tree stands tall. A tree is, is mighty. A, a tree brings shade and comfort. A, a tree brings nourishment. A tree can actually save somebody else's life. That's what we're supposed to be. But not so the wicked. Do you see the warning here? Not so the wicked. Those who do not delight in the word of God. Those who do not meditate upon the word of God. Their life is like a chaff that the wind blows away. For these people, friends, who don't live according to the word of God, they don't meditate, they don't memorize, they don't study, they don't apply, they don't live out the word of God. The Bible says that their life is like chaff. And it's just blown away by the wind. What does that mean? It means they had no eternal impact. They didn't leverage their one shot at life at things that mattered, at things that counted. Remember a few weeks ago I said there's three things that last forever. God, God lasts forever. So we'd be wise to invest in our relationship with God every single day. And his word, it lasts forever. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my word endures forever. 
So it's the wisdom of God. It's the plan of God. It's the will of God. And you've got all 66 books. So we should spend time every day reading the word of God, memorizing, meditating upon the word of God because it lasts forever. And then people's souls. Well, if you have a close relationship with God, if you're in the word of God, you'll be having a heart for people who are far from God and you'll find yourself sharing the most important thing in your life with somebody else. Which one do you want to be? Do you want to be the tree? Or do you want your life to mean very little to anybody once you're gone? Now, I, I, I love the word of God. And when I, and I picked up a Bible when I was 15, when I finally got one that I could understand, I, I just couldn't put it down. And honestly, I mean, I've had seasons where I, I didn't stay in it as much as I should, but for the most part, I love to read the Word of God. Now, now, why? Why is this such an important thing to me? Why is it that I so desperately want you to develop this personal time alone with God? Well, when I open up the Bible, the Bible does several things for me. One is it strengthens my faith. You ever have moments when you're anxious? You ever have moments when you're not certain which way to go, what to do? The Bible helps me. When I, when I read about the courage of a, of a young shepherd boy named David, and he runs out on the battlefield to take on a giant Goliath, and I know the giants that are in my life, the fears that I have, the anxieties that I have, and I see the faith that this young kid had, it stirs something within me. If he can face that giant, then I can face this giant as well. It strengthens my faith. You ever been overwhelmed with worry and anxiety? I'm guessing that Peter felt the same way as he was over there in the boat. And Jesus is walking on the water. And Peter says, hey, Jesus, if it's you, tell me to come walk out. Jesus says, the water's fine. Come on. And I bet he was scared, don't you think? I think he was anxious at that time. But it didn't stop him. His fear didn't stop him from stepping out of the boat and walking on the water with Jesus. Every time I'm down, every time I'm discouraged, every time I don't know which direction to go, I turn to the Word of God. The Word of God strengthens my faith. Let me tell you something else. The Bible also strengthens my family. The Bible is still, to this day, very central to our home. And, and we still read it together. And, and we've been doing it, well, my oldest daughter's 25, so we've been doing it for 22 years. <laughs> when she was three, we got that little first Bible, you know, with the preschool thing. And, and we memorized the Word together, together as a family. We love the Word of God, and it's, it's strengthened us. It's, it's held us together, even though some of the choices that we made along the way wanted to pull us apart. Did you know this? This is interesting, but 54% of, of married couples will end up in a divorce. That, that's, the, that's the range right now. It changes from day to day. You know how statistics are, but it's around 50, 54%. People who walk forward, pledge their undying love and devotion before God, before their family, before their friends. Just a few years later, they don't love each other anymore. They don't even want to be together with each other anymore. 54%. But I've read study after study that says this. If you'll read the Bible, if you'll go to church, if you'll serve in a ministry, if you, if you get in a small group, if, you, if you'll have Jesus truly be the centerpiece of your life, if you'll take this stuff seriously, the chance you get a divorce is one out of every 1,000 couples. 
And can I go a little farther with that? I've been doing this for a long time. I have never met two godly people who are seeking God together that ever even thought about getting a divorce. I've never had it. I've, I've never seen it. So I want you to imagine for a second the day that the bride comes down the aisle and I'm up there performing your wedding ceremony and you've got the groom here, we've got the bride here and they say their vows and their I do's and I pronounce them husband and wife and then they walk out in the foyer. What if after everybody went by and th- congratulated them for getting married, what if I said, hey, come over here for just a second. I want to see if this is you, what you would do in this situation. I come over here for just a second. They come over and I say, listen, I've got an insurance policy. And, and, and I, right now, if you'll buy this insurance policy, you will be lifelong soulmates. It's $1,000. What do you say? Would you buy it? 100%. For sure, you're going to be together. You're going to make it through whatever storm comes your way. 1000 bucks. Would you pay it? Most would say, yeah, absolutely. Let me get my checkbook out. Let me, let me give you a credit card. At, I don't, it's not $1,000. It's like 50 bucks. It's called a Bible. And then you open it up and you actually start reading it together. You start talking about these things together. You start putting Jesus. You start praying together. How how are these for crazy ideas, right? And then all of a sudden you find a love for each other that you never even knew that you had. I can tell you in in all the years that I've been married, we've had moments that uh, my wife couldn't stand me. I've never had moments where I couldn't stand her. She's watching this, so. But I've, I've had, she's had many moments. It's, it's the Word of God. The Word of God causes us to come back together to, to work on the problem and not attack the person, to forgive in the same way that we've been forgiven. The Word of God also reminds me uh, of His love for me and of His forgiveness to me. You ever blown it? You ever blown it so bad that you think you're too far gone, that God couldn't care about you anymore, and that all bets are off? And You ever wanted to run from God? I know there's people in this room, you've run from God. People at home, you're probably running from God right now. You've run from God. Why? Because you've blown it. You, you went back to the thing you promised yourself you wouldn't go back to. You broke the promise that you made to God and everybody else. You blew it. And rather than running back to church, rather than running to God, you run away from the things that can help you because that's what we do. That's what we do. And the reason we do it is because we think we're going to be judged. We think that God's ready to slam us. And so we go and we run and we hide. I need to be reminded that there's nothing I can do today that would cause God to stop loving me. That there's nothing I can do today that would cause God to stop forgiving me. That his love for me isn't based upon my performance. It's just based upon the fact that I'm his kid. And that he loves me with a never-ending love. I I need Romans chapter 8, 38 says, For I'm convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels or demons, neither the present nor the future, any powers, neither height or depth, nor anything else in all creation, will be able to separate us from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus our Lord. I need to know that God can still use me in spite of all that I've done. I find encouragement that God used prostitutes and adulterers and embezzlers and sinners like you and me still to accomplish his purpose. That God uses imperfect people because that's the only kind of people that he's got. How about this one? The Bible helps me overcome temptation. 
when I'm feeling weak, when I want to go back to that thing that I know I shouldn't go back to. It's the word of God that gives me strength. Ephesians chapter 6, he says, stand firm. Because we're in a spiritual battle. And there are forces at work that want to make you play the part of the fool. And if you know anything about the armor of God, because the Bible says in Ephesians 6, put on the full armor of God. If you know anything about the armor of God, you know there's only one offensive weapon. Every piece of the armor is defensive except for one. And that's the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And, And I fear for you. Because you're running out onto the battlefield, and you're supposed to have this double-edged, sharp sword to defeat the enemy of the day, and you're walking around with a fingernail file. Because you just don't know it. You're not reading it. You're not studying it. You're not applying it. It's not, it's not the thing that's guiding you. You're being guided more by Fox News or MSNBC than you are by the Word of God. One of the most divisive things that happened during the pandemic was that people decided they wanted to be politicized rather than stick to the Word of God. And so, boy, they separated, didn't they? And churches did this crazy stuff. It's the Word of God that's our true north. It's the Word of God that we live. We're on God's team. We're neither Republican or Democrat. We are children of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. It's ridiculous. And what pulls us together is the word of God. It's not the political platform of somebody. It's what God's word has to say. And how we apply the word of God and we live out the word of God. I don't even know where that all came from. But here we go. We're moving on. (laughs) Number five is this. Doesn't that hurt your heart? How about number five? Let's move on. The Bible also gives me comfort. Uh, Years ago, Hurricane Katrina happened. And they moved all those people in the Superdome. Remember this? It was terrible, terrible conditions. Bathrooms backed up. These people had lost their homes. They they had lost their livelihood. They had lost loved ones. They were eating military-made meals. It was bad. Cots, side by side by side. What was the number one request of the people who found themselves at the Superdome? You ready for what it was? They wanted a Bible. Because the Bible brings calm in the midst of chaos. The Bible brings peace. A peace that passes all understanding. It guards our hearts. It guards our minds in Christ Jesus. They wanted to read the promises of the word of God. All right, so so how in the world do we get more out of the Bible? Well, here's my hope, is that I can teach you in the next few minutes how to gain more insight in the Word of God than ever before. Because I want you to imagine for a second that you're married. This will be a hard one for you to go with, all right? But you're married, and you're having some trouble. And she said something, she rolled her eyes, you did something, and all of a sudden you're fighting, and you're not fighting in a godly way. There's lots of name-calling and accusations and people being mean to each other. Just try to imagine. I know that never happens, but just try to imagine it for just a second. And so the husband goes back in the bedroom. He's all mad. He's ticked off, and he's talking to God. He's, you, know, you got to do something about this woman, you know, kind of thing. And uh, <laughs> He sits down by the bed, and he opens up the nightstand drawer, and there's that Bible. And he's got a nice big study Bible. Everybody needs to have a study Bible. And so he he remembers a talk that I gave a long time ago about there's stuff in the back of the Bible there that will help you find verses of Scripture for what you're going through. It's called a concordance. So he says, I want to find out a little bit about love because I don't think she loves me and I don't think I love her, at least not right now in this moment. 
So he flips back to the back, and he finds the concordance, and he finds the word love. And he kind of scrolls down, and he begins to read 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And he begins to go through the attributes of love, that love is patient, that love is kind, it does not envy, it doesn't boast, it's not proud, it's not dishonoring of others, it's not self-seeking, it's not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. He reads that small little passage of scripture, three, four verses, and all of a sudden it hits him. I'm not doing this. So he walks into where she's sitting in the front room. She's crying. He lays the Bible in her lap. He says, I want you to read these verses. Because this is the way I really want to love you. And she reads the verses, and she said, I really would like you (laughs) to love me like that. But I haven't been loving you this way either. And all of a sudden, they have a new goal. All of a sudden, their marriage is completely turned around because they were able to get some answers from the Word of God themselves. Let's say you've blown it. This is another one that I'm sure you can't relate to. But you've blown it. You've messed up. And you're wondering, can God forgive you for what you've done? Because you went right back to the thing you said you wouldn't do, right? And you've done it over and over and over again. And you're thinking, surely, I've come to the end of God's patience. There's no way he cares about me anymore. But rather than run away from the Bible, you actually open up the Bible. You get to the back of the Bible in this thing called a concordance, and you look up the word forgiveness, acquittal or pardon of sins. You kind of start looking up the different verses, and you come upon 1 John 1, 9. It says, if you confess your sins, our God is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and purify us from all unrighteousness. And the word if just shoots off the page. I need to confess it. I need to repent of my sins. And then what? God's faithful and just, and he will forgive me. Doesn't say he might forgive me. Doesn't say he could forgive me. Doesn't say he should forgive me. No, he says, I will forgive your sin, and I'll wash your slate clean. And all of a sudden, you spend some time confessing sin and saying, God, I don't want to do that anymore. I need strength that's greater than myself. And all of a sudden, you feel the power of God. And you feel a closeness with God like you never had before. And you were able to do that yourself. Isn't that something? See, if you can relate to this one, you're going through a tragedy. Someone close to you has passed away. And you're devastated. Your life is not going to be the same without that person. And, and, and you're curious, where, where are they at now? What's, what's going on? They had a relationship with Christ. So you look in the back of that concordance again, but this time you look up heaven or heavens. And you scroll all the way down to everything the Bible says about heaven, and you come up on Revelation chapter 21, verse 3, that says this, Now the dwelling of God is with man, and he'll live with them. They'll be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He'll wipe every tear from their eyes. There'll be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. And it's like God puts his arm around you and says, I've got your friend. I've got your family member. I've got your mom. I've got your dad. It's okay. It's going to be okay. 
And one day, because of Jesus, you get to see him again. Now, see, that's where I want you to get to. I want you to get to where you know the word of God. You can use the back of your Bible in that concordance and find whatever issue is going on in your life and find the truth of what God wants for your life. So how do we get more out of the Bible? Let me give you some things real quickly. One, you've got to begin with a set time every day where you get alone with God. I'm not asking you to get along with God once or twice a week. I'm asking you to set an appointment with God every single day. And I'm going to warn you that if you decide to do this, Satan's going to do everything in his power to try to distract you. That phone is going to distract you. Those ticky-tockies are going to distract you, man. That Facebooky is going to distract you. All that stuff, that TV, something's going to happen. A kid's going to go cray-cray. All of a sudden, a demon's going to enter one of your... I'm just kidding. But your kids are going to go nuts, and you're going to be like, I can't even sit down and read the Word of God. Well, there's a reason for that. Satan doesn't want you in this book. If you don't think you're in spiritual warfare, come on. Open up your eyes to the reality of what we're living in right now. You need the Word of God every single day. So you start with a set time every day. Next, secondly, make sure you have a Bible that's easy to read. Man, I beat this thing down all the time, don't I? Make sure you have a Bible that's easy to read. Why? Well, let me show you a verse of Scripture from the King James Version of the Bible. (laughs) Psalm 119, verse 9 says, Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way by taking heed thereto according to thy word? This is the NLT. How can a young person stay pure? By obeying your word. Now, which one was easier for you? This one or that one? Wherewithal? I've used that a hundred times this past week. How about you? Wherewithal? Wherewithal? We recommend you get the New Living Translation of the Bible, and that's the Bible that we sell, and we sell them at cost. We don't make a dime off them. No one's going to beat our price, not even Amazon. Do you understand what I'm saying? And you can pick up a Bible. You can get yourself a Bible. Get yourself a study Bible, okay? So get a Bible that's easy to read, and then start in the right place. This is, <laughs> some of you started reading the Bible, and I didn't get to this point. You started in Genesis, didn't you? That's what you did. You started in Genesis, and that's what we do, right? So why wouldn't I start in Genesis? When you read a book, you start at the beginning of the book. Did you forget what the word Bible means? It means books. There's 66 different books. Now, Genesis is a great book. My, my youngest daughter, Cammie, and I, we just finished reading Genesis last week. We almost finished Exodus, and we're almost done with that particular book. Both books, fantastic. God spoke to both of us through all both those books. Fantastic. Wonderful. If you're brand new to Christianity or you don't know Jesus very well, would you please read one of the Gospels? It's Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, and I would encourage you to read the book of Luke. You say, how do I remember that? Luke. You already know that's going to finish, don't you? I am your father. Right? That's it. Read Luke. And you can get on the Sagebrush app. You can open it up on the bottom that says Bible. You can click on that. I put together a New Testament reading plan. And every time you read one chapter, and that's your goal, friends, we'd run chapter a day. That chapter disappears so you never lose your place. But know where to start. Don't start in Genesis, okay? Don't do that to yourself. How about this one? Don't try to read too much too fast. When you sit down for a meal, is it ready, set, go? Is that what you do when you? Some of you do, don't you? Weirdos, I tell you what. You should take your time. You're digesting. Here's what you do with the Word of God. You're not trying to read through it as fast as you can, get it over there. This isn't something you get done with quickly. This is something you meditate on, something you think about. Why is this here? Every time I sit down to put a message together for you, I ask the question when I look at the Scripture, why has God put this here? 
Why did he go to all this trouble to keep this for all these years? What does he want us to know here? How does he want us to apply this passage of scripture to our day-to-day life? Why is it here? And then capture the emotions and the setting and everything that's going around with the people. But you can't do that in a fast manner. And, and then you can also read the daily devotionals on the Sagebrush app. But I want you to highlight the Bible. I want you to underline the Bible. I want you to, I want you to know what the Word of God has to say. Look at this. When you read a passage of Scripture, you're like, I have no clue what I just read. If you've got a study Bible, at the bottom of the study Bible, there are study notes. Study notes that help explain what the Word of God has to say. You won't get so discouraged when you have a study Bible and you can read down below what's going on. And the last thing is this. Get in a small group. Twenty-two years. I've been begging people to get in a small group. And you have to show up. And you study the Word of God together, and it holds you accountable. Will you get in a small group? It could be a game changer for your, for your marriage, for, for you as an individual person. Let me ask you a question. If you were stranded on an, an abandoned island, uh, and you can only have one book, what book would you choose to take with you? G.K. Chesterton, who was a prolific Christian writer in the early 20th century, was asked that particular question. Which book do you think he took? He said, I would take Thomas's Guide to Shipbuilding. <laughs> wasn't what you expected, was it? They said, you wouldn't take the Bible? He said, no, I wouldn't take the Bible. He said, because when you're stranded on a deserted island, you want a book that can get you home. You want a book that can show you the way to be saved. There's only one book that can show you the way to get home. There's only one book that shows you the way to be saved. And that is the Word of God. So what are you going to do with it? Will you finally take it seriously? Will you read it every single day and set that appointment? Will you pour yourself into the Word of God? Will you memorize and meditate upon the Word of God? And will you look to the Word of God when you don't know what to do? Man, I pray that you will. Let's talk to him right now. Dear Heavenly Father, help us to apply your word, to study your word, to memorize your word, to meditate upon your word. There are so many opinions out there. There are so many ideologies out there. And we get sucked into stuff that we think is right. But when it comes to looking at it from the viewpoint of your word, we find out that it's the direct opposite of what you say. God, help us to know what your word says Lord that our sword would be sharp that it would be effective that every morning when we wake up that Satan would quiver in his boots and say oh no so and so is up today he is going to do damage to my kingdom God use us in ways we never thought we could be used Lord for anybody here who doesn't have a Bible I pray that they would go and They would contact us, go to the first steps room where we get them a Bible so they can start finding out who you are and what you're about and what you have for their life. God, help us to take this stuff seriously every single day. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.